From the hills of central New York and in the heart of the Finger Lakes, this is Frankly Speaking. John Sorokin is the Distinguished Professor of Turfgrass Science in the Institute of Agriculture at the University of Tennessee. John's a native of Calgary, Alberta, starting his career on the crew of Earl Grey Country Club. He holds all of his degrees from Michigan State, and that's where I had the pleasure of first meeting him when I started my academic career at MSU. John is the director of the Center of Athletic Field Safety, a leader in the field of sports turf management and safety, as evidenced by being the recipient of the 2011 William Daniels Award that recognizes an individual who's made significant contributions to the industry through research, teaching, or extension. In addition, John has conducted numerous research projects on putting surface management in a transition zone, and that's where our conversation will focus on today. So, John, we're talking putting green surface performance management and your work in mowers uh, has been very instrumental in helping superintendents understand a number of aspects of this. And I'm particularly interested in that paper where you looked at behind center distance of the bed knife position. And of course, that happens naturally as reels wear, but it also is adjustable now on all the mowers. And as Brian Whitlock's article in the USGA Green Section record from a number of years ago, which we've talked about on this program with Brian, you really got a definitive way of looking at this now, but we don't really understand, you know, what it means in practical terms about how the greens uh, perform at the other end. So let's start there. Describe the work that you uh, started and what you've learned out there. Well, you know, we, we've done a lot of putting green work since I've been here at, at UT, and, you know, it initially started with me coming from a cool season climate to the transition zone where, uh, you know, the late A.J. Powell said we can grow all grasses equally poor down here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but, we, you know, we have bent grass greens, and looking at the stresses being implied on bent grass greens and trying to keep them alive during the summer, as a new assistant professor at the time and just getting through doing plant physiology work, and trying to understand what's going on with the plant, my initial stuff was looking at the literature and seeing, you know, well, people would say, you know, cut out a mowing once or twice a week. So our first thoughts were, well, let's look at bent grass greens in the transition zone and, and stop mowing six days a week or even five days a week and just go every other day. Mm-hmm. And on the days you don't mow, you roll. Solely thinking about, you know, the concept of plant photosynthesis. The first thing you do in the morning on a golf course is go mow your greens, and what you're doing is you're creating a wound on that plant, removing leaf surface area, so it takes the carbohydrates, the energy that the plant has to heal that wound, and you've reduced the surface area or its capacity to absorb sunlight to actually produce more energy. Because it's distracted by the wound, and we know now from some work that Emily Marowitz has done at Michigan State, that there's a defense response. There's a number Mm -hmm. of uh, sort of activated compounds in the plant that activate plant defenses, which makes complete sense because the plant's wounded, having to exert energy for defenses instead of, as you're saying, uh, begin photosynthesizing. So what were some of your early findings on that? So some of our early findings were that if you started doing this in in June, July, and August, our three hottest months in Tennessee, by the end of summer, you know, come Labor Day, superintendents hope they have enough grass that they can recover from aerification on their bent grass greens when they go and aerify the, you know, the Tuesday after Labor Day is kind of when we do it on bent grass down here. And what we found was the quality and the density of the bent grass was much greater on grasses that were on the greens that were mown every other day. 
and the speeds were actually the same or faster because he rolled the days he didn't mow. Right. And that mowing was that rolling wasn't an, as much of a stress. Right. Now, what's interesting, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I know superintendents listening to this are going to think the same thing. So much of this is predicated on growth rate. Right. And I'm sure the bent grass you're working on, and I guess if I, we follow your plant physiology line of thinking, the bent grass is really struggling because temperatures are very high in the summer months, remain high in the evening. And Bing Ru Wong's work at Rutgers showed that for years that yeah. you do that, you just are burning the candles at both ends. So you're suggesting that, you know, by skipping a mowing, you're not doing the wounding, you can keep up with speed. But I bet you superintendents that have to produce a 11, 12 feet every day, they're saying, man, I don't mow for a day and it takes me three days to catch up. I mean, that was a pretty standard practice years ago. Well, we, we find that on the summertime if you skip a mowing on Bermuda grass, but we didn't find that on the bent grass at all. If you keep up with your light sand top dressing every two weeks, potentially, mm-hmm. thatch management, the grass isn't growing. When it's 90 degrees and doesn't get below 75 at night, the bent grass isn't growing during the summer. Oh. So when you come back after that day of skipping mowing, you still don't get a lot of clippings in your buckets like you would in late September, early October, or in April or May here. Because you know there's big discussion about clippings in the buckets, right? Exactly. And so what you're saying is you're essentially modulating your mowing frequency, like, you know, Bill Kreiser would say modulating your growth regulator rates, um, you know, to get the intensity of regulation. But Mm -hmm. but to my point about growth regulators, let's wander into this area. Uh, I'm assuming you're using growth regulators on these bent grasses through the summer months? Yeah, we did. We used Trinex spec ethyl when we were doing it, so it, it was kind of a standard. What we wanted to do is we, we followed the, the practices that were being done by most golf course superintendents in the region from public to private courses, and it seems like everyone was using a plant growth regulator, even in the hot summer. So that was just a standard practice for us. Did it seem like, uh, did you ever get any information about bentgrass variety? Obviously, like you said, A.J. Powell said, uh, mm. we grow grasses equally poorly. I've walked on bentgrass greens in the transition zone uh, in the summer months when you get that high humidity, especially if one of those thunderbusters runs through and drops yeah. a half an inch on you. I mean, it just, you can smell the rot underway. Yeah, we've, we've come a long way since I've been here. In this, I've been through 17 summers here. <laughs> and from the varieties we had then to the new ones that are bentgrass now, are, it's, it's amazing what the breeders have done and come up with improved varieties. So we've had things like, you know, pure distinction, V8, you know, McKenzie 007, Tai, they've all been really good. Pure distinction is probably the one that stood out above all of them that we've looked at. And it's amazing. So let's go to that. Do we think these newer varieties will grow better through the summer and therefore compromise your uh, skipping mowing issue? Because again, it seems to me, John, if you're getting growth, mowing every other day is going to be tricky to keep the speeds. And I, some of that might be dependent on height. Can you talk a little bit yeah. more about that? <clears throat> so that you, you, you just segued right into what exactly what I was going to say. Um, so we've done everything from mowing height to mowing frequency to behind center distance work as a result of that alternating and mowing work. We know that we can have a higher quality turf by skipping a mowing. 
knowing that the key for proper putting green, acceptable putting greens in the industry would be consistent and to an extent fast. Yes. Um, that's that's a whole other <laughs> debate and everything right there. You well, know, and, and let me go back. Before you go down this road, let me just clarify this for the listeners. I think you and I are both in agreement. You can dial in the speeds if you've got firm greens. The key is right. to have firm greens. And back to your point about sand top dressing and keeping up with thatch management, let's not underplay that because nothing of what we're talking about for performance surfaces is possible if you don't have firm greens. So we can leave the firmness behind. But assuming we've got firm greens, now we're talking about growth rate. Right. Everyone's got a portable TDR probe that they have proper water management because that's the other component of photosynthesis. Don't overwater, but don't underwater. Just make sure water is available for photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. So if you can keep the consistency of the moisture in your greens at an optimal range that your greens are going to be firm but healthy and not wilting, but not overwatered. You know, those are those are the challenges. And I don't want to get into like a deep in frequent, light frequent. No, no, no. We're not it, going it down. Provide that the hole. water that's needed for the for photosynthesis is how I always say. <laughs> so we've gotten into that and yeah, there's a it's the cultural practices of mowing, fertilization, irrigation, cultivation and pest management. It's pretty it's keeping it simple. Don't overthinking everything. But when we focus on the mowing part, we still have to make sure we're doing proper moisture management, proper nitrogen fertilization, so you have a consistent growth, not the peaks and valleys of high rates of nitrogen at a, at a single time. You, you do those, and my recommendation is just after aerification, so you can get a quick recovery from the aerification holes. All right, so listen, this is a perfect place to stop because when we come back, we can talk about the actual equipment because that's where your next uh, batch of work, I'm assuming, went. You had yeah. mowing uh, heights and mowing frequencies, which also leads into mower setup. So when we come back, uh, we'll start the conversation there. Sounds good. This is Frankly Speaking on the TurfNet Radio Network, and I'm with my pal from the University of Tennessee, distinguished professor, John Sorok, and we'll be right back. Finally, a fungicide that's so much more. Civitas Turf Defense is a fungicide, insecticide, and plant protection product that will change the way you look at turf management. Civitas Turf Defense works within the plant to control diseases and pests, reducing requirements for fertilizers and other pesticides. By enhancing stress tolerance, Civitas Turf Defense can reduce water inputs by up to 25% while maintaining acceptable turf quality. Civitas also increases abiotic stress tolerance for improved tolerance to wear and traffic. And with no known resistance issues, there's no worry about maximum yearly application restrictions. Civitas Turf Defense, plant protection redefined. There's more to the story. Visit CivitasTurf.com. Okay, John, when we left... We were talking about your work with mowing frequency, mowing height, and mower setup. So let's wrap up the frequency and height issue uh, relative to performance, and then we'll get into the issues with the equipment itself. Sounds good. Lead the way. Okay, sorry, that was the lead-in. <laughs> okay, perfect. No. No, no, that sounds good. So, yeah, we've done a lot of work at the University of Tennessee looking at mowing frequency, frequency of clip, mowing heights. And behind center distances yeah. of where you set the bed knife to the reels. All the things we looked at here, you're exactly right. Those are the principal components. Right. We, we try to focus on those knowing that mowing is the cultural practice that you do the most. So how do we optimize everything you're doing with those? Um, there's different ways of getting consistency or speeds out of greens. And the, the, 
low-hanging fruit, I would say, is lowering the mowing height. So we've, we've actually mowed bent grass and Bermuda grass in the transition zone at .08 inches uh-huh. and 110 and 140, and there's obviously a point of diminishing returns. When you get down to that .080 inches, that's, that's extremely low. And that's on the bench, right? All of these are yeah, bench Yeah, all centers. on the bench. Yes, with, with, and these happen to be with Toro flex mowers. Right, okay. So, and, and, and every, a lot of people use, uh, it's a very common mowers, particularly the hand mowers. And yep. and now I think what I've noticed is the people with the Toro triflex mm-hmm. heads uh, seem to really like almost a hand mower quality cut uh, with those new triflexes. Have you had any experience looking at those? Yeah, we've looked at the triflex as well, and we we actually tried to do a, a wear pattern where we did tight turns, you know, on that cleanup path where you sometimes get the triplex causing problems. Um, we we did some work with that, and as long as it comes down to proper maintenance, setting your mowers, making sure your 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 wheels on your triplex aren't overinflated, that's a tendency that people can do because that's what's going to create that little bubbling and create wheel wear or tire wear on your cleanup passes and things like that. Right, because it's it's reducing the amount of surface area, which increases the pounds per square inch, which gets exactly. into your athletic field rotational friction issues, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we could we could look at it that that way. Huh. Okay, so so let's go to the mower stuff. Do you want to so you didn't find that necessarily going to 080 uh, and I think a lot of superintendents, I, I think hovering around the tenth of an inch mark seems to be pretty consistent. I think they're getting away with those heights now, John, because mm-hmm. their greens are getting firmer. With, one of the yeah, things firmer, and with these improved some of these improved bent grass varieties as well. Well, and I think one of the things the engineers tell me is, you know, when you don't have optimum firmness. That mower, when you put it down, whether it's a triplex or a hand mower, when you put it down, it starts to go and it's like a boat in when it's going slow in the water. Mm-hmm. It sort of sinks for a minute before it gets up and starts riding on the surface. And and that's where I think a lot of the understanding still needs to come about the way that mower is interacting with that putting surface. Now, you let's start with frequency of clip. Did you find that? Altering the frequency of clip mattered? No. Well, it did matter. Um, we, we found that, you know, increasing the frequency clip did not improve the quality of the turf grass um, or green speeds. What it did was, over time, increased the sand that was removed after top dressing. And that's a similar function that you learned by moving the bed knife behind center distance. Right. As you increase the attitude on behind center distance... You don't improve clipping yields, but you increase sand pickup. So you would say, if I posed you a hypothetical, that mm-hmm. one of the easiest ways to solve this problem is to not grow so much so you don't need to put on as much sand, would that solve a lot of these issues that guys might have with uh, the way they set their mowers up? Well, I, I no, I would, what I would potentially, but when you do, because... Sand top dressing is, is a necessary practice in many instances, so instead of having a mower that's got a faster frequency clip that maybe isn't giving you that added advantage, if you can go into an alternating mowing and rolling practice, the day you, send, you mow your greens on a Monday, you top dress, and then on the Tuesday, maybe that's the day you can skip that mowing. Hmm. And then you're not going to pick up any sand. 
or at least make sure you're not having groomers on, brushes going that next day, or if I, an increased frequency clip, because that's just going to contribute to picking up more sand the next day. So what would you tell a superintendent about frequency of clip? Presumably, you know, what everybody knows is when we say frequency of clip gets faster, it actually means that the FOC value is lower, right? It's a lower number that's... Yeah, exactly. The number's lower. Right. It's inversely proportionate. Right. Now, what they teach us in turf school, and I'm sure you taught and I taught, was mowing height and clip rate should be in equilibrium. Did you find that to be the case? Yes, that's the best condition. And really what we did is we just quantified what the engineers have always spoken about that has never been in the literature before. So if you talk to the engineers that, you know, whether they're red, green, or orange engineers, they will tell you that exact same concept of you want the clip rate to equal the forward momentum so it's all equilibriates like we've been taught. And you can adjust those things, but you're not going to get any added benefits from it. And we've, we've just been able to kind of quantify that through replicated research in our trials. And so that's what you tell superintendents that have the ability to vary the frequency of clip, which is we don't really have a lot of that control. So how are many of the putting green mowers working? Because not everybody offers, unless there's electronics involved, what are most of our putting green mowers' clip rate? Most of them have a standard setup. So it's, it's usually going to be at like 125 if your mowing height is 110, like so somewhere equal like that. And that's what the frequency of clip will be set at. Right. Your clip rate will be at like typically an average one will be is 1.125 inches. So what happens if you are mowing, like we're saying, down at 100? So you could lower your clip rate to be 100 as well. But there isn't necessarily any added benefit to that. No, well, we haven't seen it. In ours, it actually, it increased more sand pickup if you lowered your mowing height. Okay, so, because you know what, you've heard what I've heard. People yeah. say, I put on a higher frequency of clip, and it's like I'm double cutting. Do you, what do you think? We just haven't been able to see that. And I know, uh, I think Tom has done some work. Well, we actually have done some, too. Tom at Michigan State, where we did a, a single cut versus a double cut, and a single cut with a high frequency of clip versus a double cut. And the single cut with the high frequency clip didn't give us this double cut that we did in a true double cut. Just from a clipping volume perspective. Right. And clipping volume and putting green performance quality over long term, there was not much difference. Okay. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of the bed knife position stuff. But I also want you to include any work you might've done with the number of blades on the reel. We played around with that right at the end of our five years of playing through the mower stuff, getting myself in all kinds of trouble. People do not <laughs> like when you disparage the color of metal that they produce. So right. uh, the uh, fertilizer companies and seed companies are perfectly fine with you disparaging them if they do bad in a trial because they're used to it. But metal companies are not necessarily as used to that sort of research done with their equipment. So what about number of blades on the reel? How much does that matter? That's actually the one thing that we haven't looked at is comparing number of blades on a reel. Which should also likely to alter, I mean, they do it primarily for clip rate. Right. It changes that clip rate. You know, it's a way to balance if you're going to these low mowing heights. But, you know, I think it, a lot of it should be regional, too. If you're in the transition zone with bent grass, for instance, versus, oh, even your summers up in Ithaca, we found that you can have speeds with rolling, proper mowing, top dressing, proper moisture management and fertilization. You can get really fast speeds at having greens at 125. If they're firm. If they're firm. Okay. 
So listen, let's take another break here, John, and we'll come back and I will finally pound you about brushing and bed knife position a little bit more and putting all these factors together to take up all these studies that you've looked on. I'm going to nail you down for some specific recommendations on mower stuff. So we'll be right back. I'm frankly speaking on the TurfNet Radio Network. I'm with my pal, distinguished professor, John Sorokin from the University of Tennessee. I'm Frank Rossi. Golf core superintendents all agree. Traditional core aeration is time-consuming, labor-intensive, and unpopular with golfers. Dryject is a revolutionary service that relieves compaction, increases water infiltration, improves gas exchange, and amends your root zone all at the same time, leaving the turf surface smooth and immediately playable. Best of all, an independent Dryject service professional does it for you, there and gone before you know it. Dryject. The only process in the world that aerates, top dresses, and amends in one pass. Visit dryject.com to locate your nearest dryject service center. Okay, John, when we left, we were finally getting into the nuts and bolts of the mower. We mentioned a uh, number of blades on the reel. And a lot of that had to do with frequency of clip. I want to get to bed knife position because I would say from the work we did, this was one of the more significant factors that I thought caused some stress when you did it at the wrong time. And what I mean is it seems really clear to me that the further you put the bed knife back, from the center line of the reel. And the more that reel has the ability to dip into the canopy, the more aggressive raking uh, that you're doing on the turf. So why don't you describe that study that you did and what you learned? Yeah. So we, we looked at different bed knife uh, behind center distances. And basically when you think of the cylinder of the reel and its lowest point, where does that bed knife come in contact with the reel? And way mowers are set up is they're typically set slightly behind in 0.079 inches, for instance, behind that center distance. And we've looked at it where it was slightly set up front, and then what we say, increasing the attitude, putting it a lot further back. And the further back you go, the more times the reel comes in contact with the grass blades before it actually might make the cut. Right. And while we did this on putting green studies, there's some neat video that you could look at on a fairway mower. When that reel goes around, the real blades actually hit the grass blades four or five times before they finally come in contact with the bed knife and cut it. Yeah, I think the engineers call that raking. Raking, right. I call it like a boxer doing jab, 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 <laughs> uppercut, and finally knocking out the other boxer, right? <laughs> I think there's a really bad commercial where the food starts smacking the person around that's eating it, and I think it's an ad for like a, a bad stomach pill or something like that. So the grass blades are getting smacked around by the metal. I, I get it. And then they're cut. So the more the bed knife is back from the center distance, the more the grass blades are getting smacked around. Right. And I also think you change the, well, you change the effective height of cut by moving your behind center distance too. So we've, we actually looked at adjusting mower heights. So they were the bench height of cuts, so they were all equal effective height of cuts, but we had differences behind center distances. So we still had that more flapping or hitting of the leaf blade before it was getting cut, that raking. Okay, and so just so everybody knows what we're talking about, they've never really thought about this before, when that bed knife position goes back, and you can do that many different ways, rear mm-hmm. roller, 
uh, adjustments, uh, spacers in the rear rollers, bed bars, uh, bed knives of different lengths, all those things that allow you to adjust it. The further back you put it, the more smacking and, and raking of the turf that's occurring. Right. We started seeing when it was really aggressive, we had less quality. So what we found was you picked up a lot more sand because you're raking. So when you did do sand top dressing, you picked up three times more sand than you should from where the factory setting might be. So you know how people normally have a mower that they use after they top dress that they sort of sacrifice? It's a sort of a sand head or something like that. Would you say that they could probably use a regular mower if they just move their bed knife position uh, further up or, in fact, in front of center distance? Well, if you go in front of center distance, it starts to be counterintuitive as well. It starts to scoop almost and pick up more sand. So we found when it was slightly in front, it actually did the same as being somewhat further back. Anything above 0.164 inches behind center distance would be too aggressive. Is it your experience uh, looking at this, John, that many golf courses are making these adjustments in their mowers on a regular basis? Not many, but I'd say some of the higher-end, more pressured golf courses might be doing that, looking at different things like that. Is that a function, you think, of the superintendent's interest in it, knowledge of it, or the equipment technician's interest and knowledge in it? I I would say it's both. Um, You know, we we get a lot of our ideas for this, especially this mowing research, from the superintendents. All the brushes, the out-front brushes, came from a superintendent at Memphis Country Club. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, I want to get to the brushing work, but I want to put a bow on this uh, behind center distance. So first of all, you said the further back you go, the turf's not as good. Some of that could be related to a slightly lower height of cut because the reel is in there cutting in advance of the bed knife. Is that what you're suggesting? That the We're looking at the same mowing height, so that wasn't going to be a lower mowing height effect, but what I think was happening was the blades were raking it or hitting the turf grass more frequently that it didn't maybe get a good cut and it actually knocked them over, just like you hitting a piece of paper several times and it won't bounce back up. Okay, and so um, now you've got that mower set up where you want it. Would you say in your interaction with superintendents that they are getting more savvy about this because the amount of spin grinding that's going on that might be shrinking the diameter of the reels subtly in a way people don't notice? Yeah, I think they go through a lot more steel than they typically used to because of that ability to do that rapid facing mm-hmm. instead of the conventional backlapping with the slurry. Okay, John, one of the things I wonder about on the other side of this is what about when we're not cutting grass? You know, there's a lot of pride in, you know, slowing the growth rate and not having as much clipping volume when you don't need it. A lot of guys say, oh, you know, I'm sending a mower out and I'm hardly getting any clippings. Do you think regularly putting mowers on the grasses, on the putting surfaces where they're actually not cutting much grass is bad for the metal? I don't know that it's bad. Well, anytime you're using the mower, it's going to be wear and tear. So and I've seen a lot of superintendents that are getting away from mowing every day, and they're going every other day, and they're still having the speeds that they want, the consistencies that they want, but they're doing the other practices. I think there's a lot that could be done of just reducing that wear and tear. Okay. Well, since we're speaking about wear and tear and sand pickup and abrasiveness and raking, that leads to the brushing discussion. And again, much like you, I made a foray into this uh, area of brushing, looking at out front brushes. I looked at the Butchco brush that was spinning very slowly in a reverse direction. It was an add-on device. 
device. I don't even know if it's in production anymore. And what we found was that the canopy, when you first start using these brushes, the canopy goes through some adjustment if you don't really have a lot of upright growth. Why don't you take me through your progress on the brushing work that you've done so far? So yeah, we looked at out front brushes instead of grooming units on the mower, we used the brushes and we looked at a forward rotating versus a counter rotating brush pattern. Really fast spinning or slow yeah, spinning? Yeah, very fast spinning. Okay. And we looked at different, we had a brush for Bermuda greens and we had a brush for bent grass greens and the bristles for the bent grass greens were not as stiff or rigid as they were for the Bermuda makes greens. Makes sense, right? That makes sense. And we, the whole concept came from a superintendent, Rodney Lingle, who observed, count, he felt that counter-rotating brushes out front helped the quality and get kind of those stolens and the graininess of the Bermuda grass greens to stand up and cut better. Okay. Which makes sense as well, especially with the tight bristles. So what did you do and what did you find? So we compared forward versus rotating, and we found that he was correct. The forward did slightly better than the counter or the counter-rotating, the backwards rotating, sorry, did slightly better than the forward rotating for Bermuda. And when you say did better, it just better quality turf, better ball roll, what? We had slightly better quality turf. Um, we picked up a little bit more clippings initially, but over time that, that balanced out once, the, once we kind of got through the grain. We didn't see that same difference in, in bent grass. Okay. Now, what about the sand pickup? So the forward rotating picked up more sand. So it was like sweeping it back into the reels and get into the buckets. So that was the forward rotating. The counter picked up less sand on the Bermuda greens. But what we found was it was like a snowblower pushing it to the end of the collar. And again, the stiffer bristle brush on the Bermuda seemed to have some benefits even with the sand pickup. And in simple mm -hmm. terms, you said you did not see that with the bent grass. Right. We, we didn't see a difference between forward and counter rotating, but they both reduced green speeds. Oh, you said it reduced green speeds. Yeah, we found reduced green speeds from brushing. Now, isn't that different than what Danny Berger found? I'm not sure. I try to go look at Danny Berger's. I know Tom Nikolai's found the same thing at Michigan State. That, that it slows it down? It slowed down green speeds. So is that long-term slowed down or short-term slowed down? This was throughout the season that we did it, so every time, yeah. All right, so let me ask you. A lot of guys don't use those brushes the way you had them. What do you think about the out-front brushes like Chip Howard produces at Turf Science? Yeah, so I think there's an application for brushes, and I think one is to get sand top dressing worked in a little bit better. Um, in terms of what we need to do with these brushes is look at frequencies when you're using them, because we use them basically three times a week when we were mowing. So I don't know if that's too much or not enough. I've always looked at brushing the way you guys have looked at rolling. I mean, if you roll episodically, you don't get the real benefits from rolling. You get the benefits from rolling when you have a rolling program. You're rolling three, five, six times mm -hmm. a week. Same with brushing. If you just brush occasionally, I don't think you necessarily get the benefit. And also, some of it is dependent on the cultivar you're growing, the way you're fertilizing, the growth regulator program you might be on. Because, I mean, brushing's only going to help you if you have a problem keeping the grasses growing upright and the grain out of it. And that's probably why there's a bigger benefit to this in Bermuda. I still wonder, is the speed at which those brushes are spinning part of the problem? Yeah, exactly. I think they could be too aggressive sometimes. Okay. So, John, 
our conversation has come to an end on mower setup, <laughs> putting green performance, mowing frequency. We have wandered a field here, and I want to challenge you just a little bit. We're going to assume all the other things in place, but if you were an average golf course looking for, you know, 10, 11 foot speeds on those bent grass greens in the transition zone, it sounds to me like the first thing you tell them, irrespective of anything, is in the summer months, don't mow every day. Right. What would be the next thing you'd tell them about their equipment? I'd make sure they have a roller. So they could obviously roll. We did economics on it, too. If you skipped your mowing every other day throughout the season, you could actually pay for two mowers and still save money in your budget. (laughs) Okay. And that was with triplex mowing or hand mowing? Both. No kidding. We had an ag economist on this, and we we did a whole cost partial budget analysis for everything, and we showed that the economic savings were massive. Okay. So mow every other day and make sure you got a good roller. What would you tell them for their mower? Don't mow too low. So make sure you've got... Good. Be- your behind center distance is factory set. You don't need to do faster frequencies to clip, and I would say mow at 125 to 156. Distinguished Professor John Sorokin from the University of Tennessee, thanks so much for joining me, John. And from the hills of central New York and the heart of the Finger Lakes, I'm Frank Russell.